So my title for today wasn't supposed to, anybody, you weren't supposed to know what it was actually, it was supposed to be a secret, but uh, I mentioned it to a, a vicar, one of two, and this, if, it was, if it was a secret it got out pretty big time, so it's not a secret anymore. And my title is Why I Don't Believe in Evolution. And uh, so I'm going to talk a bit about evolution and creation, but then I, I, I'm not really. Um, so I thought, well, it's a bit of an odd subject, really, for the first Sunday in Advent, isn't it? Do you think? Well, it's, you can agree with me if you like. I think it is. But several reasons for it. Firstly, when I spoke to when, when Elaine contacted me a while ago and said, "Am I free this particular Sunday?" I didn't know it was the first Sunday in Advent. I didn't really know until about last week, actually. By which time. I'd already decided, or had the Lord already decided what I was going to speak about. And then, just listening to what we're doing today, the first Sunday in Advent, maybe creation actually is quite a good thing to be talking about. Because in a way, creation is the beginning of the beginning. And when Jesus died on the cross, it was the end of the beginning. And maybe Christmas is the beginning of the end. So maybe it's actually quite a good time to think about the God who created us, the God who put Jesus in place, and the God who made Christmas possible. And if we don't have a right view of God as creator, what sort of view is it going to give us as God as saviour? So maybe it's a good time to unpack it. It's a a subject which has been bouncing around between Christians and non-Christians for quite a while. It's... In some respects, it's an open-ended subject. In many ways, it's not. Hopefully, I'll show that it's not as open-ended, possibly, as you may think it is. Another reason I wanted to talk about it was because when I went on my holiday this year, I bought a book at the airport. You seen that one? Stephen Hawking? The Grand Design? Have you ever, anybody read any Stephen Hawking? The, um, brief mo- a brief moment in time? The one in between that I've missed? And, yeah? Try to. Try to. They're quite heavy going, aren't they? Yeah, this one's heavy as well, only because the pages are thick. But it's, it's a very nice book. It's, um, I'd recommend it to you, actually. Have a read, even if you're not a scientist or a physicist. Um, even, get, even reading 10% of that will actually sort of challenge you. And as I say, Christmas, uh, Advent probably, uh, creation probably has more to do with Christ, Christmas and Advent than we first give it uh, credit for. I was going to call it... Why Christians shouldn't believe in evolution? I thought, that's a bit inflammatory. And then I thought, why you shouldn't believe in evolution? That's even worse. So what I'm going to talk about is why I don't believe in evolution. And it's from my point of view, you can take it or leave it. Maybe. So as far as I'm concerned, if I believe in evolution, I don't believe in creation. Yeah? God didn't create the universe. Now some would say... It is possible to believe that God created the universe over a massive period of time, in which case you end up with a created evolution, or possibly even an evolved creation. So creation over a long period of time. It's possible, you know, it's what people talk about. Actually, as a Christian, I don't believe that you can believe that. I think that it's very important to have a committed belief in creation, and I want to explain why. I've got three reasons why. Firstly, the Bible talks about creation. I believe that the Bible is true. So, do you believe in the Bible? Is it the word of God or not? Is it always, sometimes, never, the word of God? We're supposed to have a reading, weren't we? Where's the reading gone? 
My fault, isn't it? Tell you what, let's have a reading now, and we'll just read the first, the first chapter of Genesis, and that will put everything to, into perspective. Not the first chapters, the first chapter of Genesis. I told you it wasn't very good with all of this service. Let's, let's have a reading. You doing that? Am I doing it? You doing that? You thought I'd forgotten, didn't you? You thought I'd forgotten, didn't you? I had. <laughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with their seed in it, according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said... Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas. And let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock 
creatures that move along the ground and wild animals according to its kind, and it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, and all the birds of the air, and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and all the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Thanks very much. Well, that's a fantastic story, the creation of the world in a, in a chapter and a verse. That's an awful lot of creating in a very few words. It strikes me, though, that in English... The fourth word in the Bible, in the beginning, God. God right there at the beginning of creation, right there at the beginning of the Bible. In Greek, they don't use a definite article, it's the third word. And in Hebrew, they don't use articles at all, it's also the third word. So right at the beginning of the Bible, right at the beginning of God revealing himself through his word, is God at the middle of creation. But that's a fantastic story, isn't it? One chapter and one verse. The earth created in six days, and then God had a day off. I can understand people that would say, well, I believe in the Bible, but I have difficulty with God made the word in, six, in the world in six days and then had a day off. He made Adam and Eve, that's the next chapter, we didn't read that. He made Adam and Eve, put them in the Garden of Eden. Maybe you look at the Old Testament and think, there's a lot of contradictions, a lot of things I don't understand. Yeah, I'm okay with the Bible, but the, the Old Testament is just way out there. I, I, I can't go with it. Okay, give you that. Do you believe in the New Testament then? Is the New Testament easier to get hold of? If the Old Testament is too difficult, is the New Testament okay? Okay, let's pick a couple of characters out of the New Testament. Jesus, he's quite a pivotal character. Paul. Jesus had access to what, what, most of what we call the Old Testament. And he believed in it completely. He believed in it so much that he saw himself in it as Messiah. He saw himself as a suffering servant. And he believed so much that that's who he was that he was prepared to die because of his belief in who he was. 
which all came out of the Old Testament scriptures. It talks about Adam. Adam was the first sinner. Jesus knew that he was the only one who could do Adam's sin. He believed it so much that he died to take away the sin of the first man that was created. So Jesus mentions creation six times in the Gospels. Well, I suppose he ought to believe because he was there. In the beginning, God and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. Let us make God in our, make man in our own image. Jesus was that right there on the first page of creation. So I suppose he ought to believe it because he has first-hand experience. Jesus also showed himself to be Lord of creation in his own lifetime. Because when he fed the 4,000 men, when he fed the 5,000 men, when he fed the 5,000, he started with, what, three loaves and five, uh, five loaves and three fish? And he ended up with 12 baskets full. He finished with more than he started with. He created it. A creative miracle. He made it right there, right then. Likewise, you might remember when he was on his way to Jerusalem, he wanted fruit from the fig tree, but there was none, so he cursed it. And when he came back the following day, the, the, uh, the, the tree had died. And with a word, he had cursed an item of creation that had died. Okay, that's uncreation in a way, but it's the, 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 the creative word that took away the creative spark from that tree and it died. Jesus showed himself as the Lord of creation in his own lifetime. Paul believed in it. He wrote about it ten times in his letters. And if you wrote Hebrews, he wrote about four times in that as well. Half of chapter 5 of Romans is Death Through Adam, Life Through Christ. That's the, the title in the NIV. So Paul really believed that the Old Testament uh, account of creation was spot on. So, okay, firstly, I believe in the Bible. Secondly, I believe in God. The Nicene Creed says, I believe in God the Father, God the, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all that is, seen and unseen. I believe that. I believe in that God. So either God is almighty or he's not. Either all that is seen and unseen was made by him or it wasn't. He's either creator of all things or he's not God at all. Maybe there is no God at all. What I know about God is not what I know about God out of the Bible. Okay, yes, I learn about him. But how I know God, John 24 says God is spirit. And his, spirit, his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit. And it's my spirit that witnesses to God. So it's not just the Bible that tells me who God is. It's my spirit that tells me who God is and tells me about him. Romans 1, verse 20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. So my eyes can see what God has made, and my spirit witnesses that it was God who made it. So when you look at the earth, when you look at this planet, and you see a landscape, a seascape, a flower, a thunderstorm, a sunrise, when you look at a newborn baby, when you look at two people in love at a wedding perhaps, when you see a smile, what are you looking at and what are you looking with? Are you seeing with your eyes or with your spirit? Are you looking at the chance collision of billions of atoms? Or are you seeing the hand of God? Are you looking at the face of God? I don't believe in God any more than I believe I'm standing here. 
I know where he lives. I know where he works. I've seen where he is. I've seen where he's been. In my mind, in my spirit, there is no doubt that God is who he says he is. And all that I've ever seen is all that he's made. If I'm standing here, then God is. That's where I am with God. So I believe in the Bible. I believe in God. Thirdly, I believe in me. I believe in who I am. If I evolved, if I evolved then 100 million years ago, I was a bowl of vegetable soup. And through evolution, I've turned that into what I am today. If, however, I was actually created, then, Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalm 17, I am the apple of God's eye. If I was created, then I am the one that Jesus came for. I am the one that Jesus died for. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come, that's me. If we are children, we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Yes, we have to share in his sufferings, but only that we may also share in his glory. God made me for that. I have the hope of eternal life. Ephesians 1. I'll give you these, I'll give you these references later if you want them. Ephesians 1 verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. He chose me. He got me in his plan before the creation of the world the world so I'm either a random collection of cells or I'm a miracle how I see myself is my choice I choose to see myself as a miracle Stephen Hawking says that the universe evolved over 13.7 billion years since the Big Bang if I agree with him then I have to say the Bible is not the word of God God, if there is a God, is not God. And I am nothing more than an accident of nature. I have no past, no reason for being here, and absolutely no future. That's why I choose not to believe in evolution. But there's other important matters to consider as well. We talked to, you mentioned earlier on at the beginning of the service, you're going to talk about the virgin birth. And there's different opinions on the virgin birth, but at the end of the day, you've got to make a decision. Do I believe it or don't I? If I, as a Christian, embrace evolution, then Jesus, who was completely human and born of a human mother through a virgin birth, evolved from monkeys just the same as I did. So the Son of God was 95% monkey. I have a problem with that. I really do. Why did Jesus ever bother? Why did Jesus come at all? He came to deal with the sin of mankind once and for all. So who sinned? When did sin come in? When did the apes become sufficiently self-aware that they rejected the will of God? The God who evolved them from a fish. If there was no Adam, there was no Christ. There's no need for Christ. So why do Christians have a problem with evolution? Why do we believe in evolution? I've got some suggestions for you. Why is there ever any doubt in our minds that we were created the way the Bible says? Maybe it's peer pressure. Maybe the whole idea that the earth was made in six days and Adam and Eve were frolicking around in fig leaves. Um, it's, it's just not a sort of thing you want to talk about in, with intelligent company. You feel, you feel a fool. 
maybe you don't want to own up to it because you, want to, because you feel stupid in the eyes of other people. Possibly, maybe, you have a problem because people much cleverer than I say that creation is bunk and that evolution and the Big Bang is the only way in which we got here. People like David Attenborough, people like Professor Hawking. Fantastic minds. And if they're saying one thing, who am I to say something else? Well, look at history. They used to say the Earth was flat. Aristotle said that the, uh, the universe rotated around the Earth. Clever men, firm beliefs. Some men believe that if you put wings on your arms and flapped them, you could fly. They jumped off the Eiffel Tower. They only did it once. Clever, intelligent men, believing, the, believing something sincerely, but they were nevertheless sincerely wrong. Never forget that spiritual truth is spiritually discerned. The truth about God can't be learned without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So with the best will in the world, even clever men will not find that bit of God unless God reveals it to them, unless they search for it. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this world has blinded their eyes. David Attenborough, Stephen Hawking, they're sincere and intelligent men. And they've taught us a lot to, about the world that we live in and how to appreciate it. But they've only found the truth that they're looking for. They haven't looked for God, which is why they've never found him. Which is why they don't give credits to God for even what they have found. Because they believe that there's another way in which it, it, it came about. Maybe the reason that we have difficulty believing in creation is because in this society there's a lack of absolute truth. You heard of postmodernism? Any of you done the Freedom in Christ course with Stephen Goss? Have you seen that one? See the Freedom in Christ course at all? He does some videos. He talks about postmodernism. You ready for this? This is a definition of postmodernism from the Wikipedia, from the internet. I'll wake you up when I've finished. A general and wide-ranging term which is applied to literature, art, philosophy, architecture, fiction, and cultural and literary criticism, amongst others. Postmodernism is largely a reaction to the assumed certainty of, a scientific or ob of scientific or objective efforts to explain reality. In essence, it stems from recognition that reality is not simply mirrored in human understanding, but rather is constructed as the mind tries to understand its own particular and personal reality. So not true reality, personal reality, yeah? For this reason, postmodernism is highly sceptical of explanations which claim to be valid for all groups, all cultures, traditions or races, and instead focuses on the relative truths of each person. In the postmodern understanding, interpretation is everything. Reality only comes into being through our interpretations of what the world means to us individually. So, postmodernism relies on concrete experience of abstract principles, knowing always that the outcome of one's experience will necessarily be fallible and relative rather than certain and universal. So, what that means is that if it's true for you and you believe it, that's okay. If my truth is different from yours, yours, that's okay. We're neither both right nor both wrong, we just have our own truth. Which means that there is no absolute truth. And if you look around, you find there's so much in our society today. It's okay for you, okay for me, and you don't argue with each other because that's just the way we are. 
So if you have a Hindu who believes in reincarnation, you have an atheist who believes that when he dies he just disappears, um, uh, annihilation, and a Christian believes in eternal life. Three completely different ideas. Only one, maybe none, could be true. They're not virtual truths, they're absolute truths. An absolute truth exists, but in the society in which we live, very often we go for relative truth rather than absolute truth. If it's true for me, it must be true. And maybe this is one of the the, the problems that we have with um, believing in difficult doctrines like evolution, virgin birth. So I've made the statement, I don't believe in evolution, so why do I think it's important? I believe that as Christians we need to know what we believe in. Our society, our colleagues, our families, our friends need us to know that we believe in one absolute truth and that for us that truth is God Almighty. One God, creator of heaven and earth and his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, for my sins, for your sins. The world needs us, needs to know that Christians believe like that. Do you agree? If God is not creator... If Adam never sinned, then Jesus never, need never have come to earth as a baby at Christmas. Which means that Christmas more, is little more than a pagan festival, an excuse, an excuse to eat and drink too much. And actually, if Jesus didn't come, if Adam, if Adam didn't sin, if Jesus didn't come, we're actually wasting our, our time here today, aren't we? So, it starts off as a philosophical argument, but it boils down to a real absolute truth about which we have to make a decision. It applies to many other things as well. You're going to talk about the virgin birth. It's, uh, in our society, it also applies to our attitudes to relationships and marriage. Our attitude to money and wealth. Sexual preferences. Our attitude to the law, to honesty, to authority. What we think about other faiths, other world religions. Ultimately, it applies to the gospel itself. <coughs> So even if we just take the, the idea of creation evolution as a concept, it's a, a truth which we have to choose. Do we believe or do we not? And if we do believe, then what are we going to do about it? So what should our response be to the answer to that question? So firstly, if you're a Christian here today and you have strong views or beliefs in evolution, fine. Just go away and have a think about some of the things I've been saying and just revisit your, your views and have a look at why you, you hold them. If you've never thought about creation and evolution, then go away and have a think about creation and evolution and decide what you think. But don't do nothing. If you're a Christian today, you believe in a creator God, his son, our saviour, who died for our sins, go away and tell someone. That's what I'd like you to do. If today you're not a Christian, if what I've been talking about today is a bit of a mystery or, or such a huge controversy that you can't wrap your head around it, then... My message to you is this. I believe that God created the universe for you and for me. He made you and me in his own image. He put his spirit in you and in me. He's present with his spirit here today, right now. He sent his only son to die for you, for me. He wants you and me to meet with him now and to acknowledge that he is Lord. He wants to come into your life right now by his Holy Spirit and live with you for all eternity. 
so that you can fulfill the eternal destiny for which you were chosen from the beginning of the world. Is there anyone here who, who considers that you fit into that last category? Someone who, you're not a Christian just now, maybe you have more questions than answers, maybe you don't understand God at all. Maybe creation and evolution for you is a big issue. But maybe just something about the worship that we had this morning, the prayers, maybe something that I've said has alerted you to the fact that God really is who he says he is. Should we just close our eyes just now? If you feel that for the first time today you have recognised something about God that you haven't seen before and you know that he's calling you now to do something about it, while everyone's eyes are closed, just put your hand up, will you? If you feel the Lord's been speaking to you today. I pray, Lord, that as we go out of this place today, you would cause us to just have a think about you and who you are and what you are and what you mean to us. Lord, if we consider to you to be almighty God, that's going to affect the way that we live. As we go out of, this, out of this place today, Lord, may we be aware of you. May we see you in creation around us. May we see you in the relationships of people around us. And may we witness to what we see. And I pray, Lord, as we go out into, into our world, into our families, into our workplaces, that we would be more willing to witness for you because of our our knowledge of you, because of our faith in you, because of our absolute understanding for what you've, of what you've done for us. So Lord, change us, I pray. May we not look at a, a, beautiful, a beautiful scene, even a winter scene, and think nothing of it. May we see you with our eyes. And as we see you with our eyes, may our spirit witness to everything that you have done. May we be aware of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for us. And Lord, make us into people who will speak about it, who will do something about it. And because of our faith in you and our absolute knowledge of who you are, others will come to that knowledge as well. It's a big ask, but it, you're a big God. Lord, change us, help us to bring people to you, because of, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Thank you, Lord.